This week on The Other Kind Radio, Oscar Fumble pushing through the fog, and the Russian mob plus somebody equals nobody. All that and then some headed your way. It's March 17th, 2021, and this is episode 105. Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the podcast known as The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind. A podcast dedicated to taking pop culture, packaging it up in auditory form, and delivering it to you, the kind listener. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd will be on shortly. And before we get things started today, let's go ahead and take a moment to talk about this episode and the fact that it's brought to you in part. By our friends down at Pub 134. The other kind. Of Pub 134 is a cozy pub located in Maple Village at 90th and Maple, right here in Omaha, Nebraska. You can go to the website at pub134.com or you can check them out on Instagram at pub134omaha. Uh, Nick, Joyce, Patrick, Addy, friendly staff, always ready to take care of you should you need to take a moment out of the day and just get your head right. Pub 134, they got beers on tap, they got beers in cans, they got beers in bottles. They've also got liquor in bottles. They also have ice, which is important, and they also have the all-important container to consume them in, which would be a glass. Pub 134, they've got everything you need to put your head in the right location. This is called Jeff vamping and running out of things to say. Anyway, Pub 134, they put the P in pub. That's not right either. All right. <laughs> Before we get into uh, this pop culture melting pot, we want to take a moment and encourage all of you listening to uh, like, subscribe to The Other Kind Radio. By doing so, you're helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. Now... Let's get the really the real real talent on the show. Let's welcome my podcast partner. He is a family generator, film school graduate, movie maker, and drum player, book author, dive bar boombox founder, and all around Renaissance man. Live from his studio in the great state of Texas, and delivering the pop culture significance of the number one hundred five or zero five. Please welcome Todd. <laughs> I was just hit by extreme sadness that apparently COVID has stopped the evolution of my intro. I've not done anything new. I, I had so many things tumbling in. It would be, you know, drummer, film school graduate, dive bar boom box founder, and I've got nothing new. So <laughs> I think you need to start subtracting one every week from now on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Let's move on. Then. I was thinking about what mine would sound like, right? Like, you know, grew up in the mountains without running water electricity. Yes. But I just realized all I really needed to do, and as our good friend Steve says, laziness when executed properly breeds efficiency. Mm -hmm. All I have to do is, he is not a family generator, film school graduate, <laughs> movie maker, guitar, and drum player. Although I am learning guitar, just not there yet. How you doing, you Todd? Well, I'm good. And I, what I just realized by doing that, you truly are reductionist, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it was the great reducer of all of all yes so 105 we've really done 105 of these we have holy crap and i think that was a half decent intro if I'm, we are pulling each other's no that's not it uh if i want to toot my own horn yes uh, you know honestly uh so i i sat there a little bit in awe of you as you just made it through and there there wasn't a stammer there wasn't anything it was just beautifully executed so Thank you. And for those those podcasters at home, here's what helps. Try reading your intro before you record it. It helps a lot. Okay, that's it for podcast tips. Now we're back to hey, the... <laughs> let's go on to the number 05. 05. 
So we are going to, we're going to look to the year 1905 for pop culture significance because, you know, we really don't want to get into the whole, it's the the number falling four and proceeding six. And, and 104, yeah, 1904 was tough to follow with the tea bag and, and everything else. So I'm excited to see what, what 1905 brings up. We've got a couple of things in here that will definitely fit pop culture type stuff, even though it is way out there. But the big thing that hit me right away <clears throat> In 1905, male and female, that's so I need two answers. What was the life expectancy for each? Male, 36. Female, I'm sorry? 36. 76. Oh, 36. God, I'm sorry. It's breaking up. I, I need to shut up. Go. Oh, male, 36. Female, 106. <clears throat> wow. Um, <laughs> no, you were closer for the men. Men were 47.3 years old. Women, 50.2. Oh, yeah. So in the uh, sad news today, I'd, I'd already be dead. Variety magazine premiered in 1905. So Variety still very, very big on the scene. And it actually ties into one of my favorite things of 1905, which was 1905 is the first year on recorded history that a Nickelodeon premiered. Are you familiar with the Nickelodeons? Nickelodeon, uh, where they put the goo on the people. Yeah, that's where that name comes from. But a Nickelodeon was actually a small little theater where you'd pay a nickel. Yes. And Jeff, <laughs> we're, we're doing, what was that game when you would hold up things and you had to guess what they were trying to do? Uh, Hungry, Hungry Hippo. No, it's not charades. But oh. they would, anyway, you know, one of those like $20,000 pyramid. No, you had your hand strapped down there, which was a little <laughs> bit. That's another show. <laughs> um but a Nickelodeon, you'd pay five cents and you'd go in to, there's a machine and it literally had almost like goggles. You bent down and looked into it. And I want to say it was probably flipping maybe 12, 14 images a second. And what, what a lot of people don't ever talk about um, is that was actually a lot of those actual first things were nudes. People really? Would go in and, and they, would, they wouldn't be lewd. They would just be a woman standing nude, turning around. It was supposed to be a dissection of the human form. Um, but ethics and standards remissions things came on much later after that and stopped all that. But for its time, that might as well have been hardcore. I'm telling you, the there pref- was the hardcore preface- going on right there near it. <laughs> all right. So we had Nickelodeons with naked people in them. We had the first patent for Novocaine was submitted in Germany. The first pizzeria in America opened and is still open today. Lombardi's is a pizzeria located at 32 Spring Street on the corner of Mott Street in the Nolita neighborhood in the borough of Manhattan, New York. Wow. Have you ever, I know you've been to New York a number of times. You've ever been there? I, I, okay. So this, this goes back into our good friend, Steve. Yeah. When I traveled with Steve all the time, Steve was the king of picking restaurants. So I would be shocked if Steve didn't know about that and we didn't stop there, but I have no memory of it. Right, right. Darn it. Cool. Um, Pizza. Yeah, very much so. The literacy rate in the U.S. was 106.6 per 1,000 people. So we had a lot of people who could not read in 1905. That's why they had Nickelodeons. That's right. Yes. We are putting it all together. And Mari Ah. Matahari became an exotic dancer in 1905, so it all ties in right into the Nickelodeon. I'm, Everything is hoochie. There's a lot of happy people in 1905 running around. You got Nickelodeon porns, you got people dancing, you got pie, pizza pies that you can eat. Let's jump in the AV time machine. Let's go back to 1905. Because, you know, I even thought the magazine Variety, you said, right? You made mention of that. Was it really much variety back then? <laughs> and who well, was reading it? I guess not a lot of people. That's what I wondered about Variety right now. It, you know, it reports on all facets of the entertainment industry, but predominantly it's film, television, etc. I'm kind of curious if it was, was it about vaudeville and Broadway at that point? Right. Yeah, probably. Do you think they had a rival magazine known as Just One Thing? Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know that great intro you did? It's gone. gone. It's gone. Yes. I'm back in the hole. Um, a, a little city in Nevada was founded in 1905. That would go on to be one of the greatest destinations for gambling and whatnot. Las Vegas was declared a city in 1905. Really? Yes. So oh, at that point, good. it was way before Bugsy Siegel or whatever decided that whole idea of let's turn this into a place where you can go and get away with stuff. 
1905 that's when it was established now if you want to get into some of the things that are unfortunate with pop culture at that time you tell me if they had a racism problem <laughs> in 1905 yes. when the four book of the year was the Klansman. Oof. Um, then also a hit that entered at the end of the year was the diary from Dixie. It's like everywhere you turn on here, it's kind of like, Ooh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. So, <clears throat> well, th- thank you. 1905. Thank you for yes. pizza. And thank you for nakedness. Nickelodeons. And you know, what have been really good back in 1905, since people couldn't read very well, or it wasn't a large population could read would have been podcasts. I just yeah. need to just need to build a time machine and just put like a million iPhones in it. All well, right. How, how hard would that be? What were those things that, you know, they had the little cylinder they would turn and it would sketch into the cylinder. And that's the first kind of playback oh. for records. Oh, Lord. We could actually do that. We could. They were made out of wax, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah. There's a lot. I we there's a, I think you and I would be, you know, compared to the average Joe, if we were to time travel back to 1905. I think we'd be pretty smart. I, that's the sad thing about it. It would almost be like that Mike Judge film of, oh my God, the one. Oh, um, it's something about idiot, and I can't remember what it is. Idiocracy. It, idiocracy, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it would definitely be that to an extent. We, we would go back, but we would be the idiots. Right, but I would forget to bring chargers for our iPhones, and then the battery would run out. <laughs> well, and then also, I don't know if they had supplyable electricity in 1905. I don't know when that became a standard. Right. We'd be running around. Where do you, yeah, where can I plug this in? Um, well, and, and then you would reduce everything, even though it would be like we'd be the smartest people in the world. We could go buy all the land on Vegas. Vegas well, this is just saying we don't want it. And it'd be like, damn it, Jeff, come on. Speaking of being smart. let's further that that sketch a little bit uh so at the end of our last podcast two weeks ago i was very excited the oscars are coming up talked about a bonus episode talked about whether or not we would jump on and do our predictions and everything and then shortly after the podcast posted i went to look and the actual oscars aren't until april 25th so i was not even just a few days off from that i was weeks off from that so um, obviously there was no bonus podcast. There was nothing else. Uh, so this is a friendly reminder that yes, I am an idiot and the Oscars will be April Sunday, April 25th. And I'm, Todd and I will figure out what we're going to do, whether we post it online or do a short little show talking about what we predict. I, I have been looking at some of the movies and, um, there's a couple, couple good ones on there. Um, I'm just, I'll just be interested to see how the Oscars treat it you know, whether they're going to make the same mistakes they did with the Golden Globes and try and treat it like it's, you know, an everyday broadcast when what they need to do is just think of something new to do, freshen it up a bit. I, I'm I'm interested to see that as well. Um, you know, I, I've seen a few, uh, actually, I've probably seen about 65, 70% of the films nominated this year, and there's some really good films in there. Um, and by the way, it does say a lot about me and what a sheep I am that you stayed the wrong date, and I just went along with it. Right. I didn't bother to validate you and go, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so on the other kind sheep. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then also, just, just quickly before we get into uh, some notable deaths and then uh, just some pop culture news, did want to take a moment for those kind listeners that are out there. I mean, we are, I guess, over the anniversary of the pandemic starting and everything else, and it has not been an easy year i'll tell you that not only just from a career standpoint um but it's just been a weird year and i was talking to todd the other day and for the first time in a long time you know as things i'm starting to push through that fog a little bit feeling a little bit better a little more pep in the step a little more forward thinking um a little wider gate as i walk and um it's been nice you know i guess sometimes one of the one of the tough things about being kind of in a fog is is knowing whether you are in a fog or not part of that also can be uh increased by the fact that you know there are many 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 other people that are out there that are in really really bad situations dire straits um 
So I think part of not recognizing your own fog is is the comparison and just saying, oh my, you know, I, you know, we have food, you know, we get our three squares a day. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of the the lens that we look through when we're trying to to see really what's going on. However, all that being said, it still does have its effects, and uh, I'm just so happy to to you know, change focus on a few things. And then also just, you know, try and find a few things to do like this podcast and learning how to play guitar that are going to be fun. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just starting to feel a little, a little lighter, a little lighter, not as heavy. Yeah. I think that it's easy to look at what this pandemic has done to a lot of people and just think, you feel beaten down and whatnot. I know that I even get there. I I try to be very much, I don't want to be that optimistic person you want to punch, but I try to be a person that's like, let's keep going, let's push. Right. But when you speak of a year anniversary, it's been a year that I've basically been in this house almost 24 seven. I I long for when my wife and daughter get home so that we can run to Target or anything, you know, just get out. And in those kind of things, you do begin to look at a doom and despair element of it. And that's affected, you know, and I said, when I say even me, it's affected even me that, again, I try not to let myself go there. Um, When you tell me that you're turning a corner, it does nothing more than warm my heart. When we spoke last night, I'm like, you know, that's what I want to hear of my friends. And what I hope is what we do here can take that hour of your day and and let you at least kind of laugh at something and know that you know you're not in this alone yeah the the main goal is the kind listeners like you know what i'm uh, i'm actually a pretty smart guy (laughs) after listening to these two guys i don't even know what weekend the oscars are on so well said todd and and to those uh those kind listeners out there that are that are uh listening to the podcast right now hang in there find something a little something fun to do we hope you and your family and loved ones are safe, and uh, we'll continue to, to uh, give you an hour or so of time to waste, if you will, hanging out with us. Uh, so thank you for your listenership, and, and just keep on keeping on. Uh, this next segment, I can't ever find a proper way to do it. I don't in any way would ever want to offend or, or you know say something inappropriate, but <clears throat> it, is a, it is a pop culture podcast, and I'm the king of... of minimizing everything so we're going to go over some notable deaths here in a segment that we may or may not continue to call lost listeners as uh obviously and maybe on the ethereal plane they can they can listen to the podcast but as of right now uh we're down a few listeners so the first of which i'm going to hand over to todd because i can't say her last name and i don't want to do her any disrespect so the first one we're going to touch upon uh came down yesterday Helen McCrory, who is an actress that you might know from things like Peaky Blinders, where she plays the matriarch of the family. She was in the Harry Potter films playing, I'm going to mispronounce this, Narcissa Malfoy. Um, She's also one of those character actresses that you've seen a thousand times. She did voiceover work. She was also in Scorsese's film that I absolutely, absolutely adore called Hugo. Um, just one of those actresses, every time you turned around, she was there. What especially touched me when I heard of her, her passing due to cancer was that I had no idea that she was married to a man that is one of my favorite actors due to his participation in the amazing miniseries band of brothers. Damian Lewis was her husband Ah. and he was the one that tweeted it out that he had lost her. And what he said was incredibly beautiful. Uh, about her soul leaving and and her warm embrace. It's just those things that as a man who's 54 and then you hear someone 52 dies of cancer, I know I'm not ready to go. Yeah. And you think how unfair life can be. And we can joke about 1905's life expectancy and she exceeded that. But still, it, it is just one of those things that you don't know what you have and you appreciate it and, and embrace it. I, I was just really saddened to hear of her passing. Thank you for that, Todd. I, I know I'm familiar a little bit with Peaky and 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 Harry Potter. I have to say is kind of a blur for me, but uh, sounds like a, a talented actor and and somebody that was in the business for a long time and contributed a lot to making the quality of uh, other people's lives you know better. So thank you for that. 
the next one uh, just came down this morning. A gentleman by the name of Felix Silla. He was cousin it on the Adams family way back when, when televisions were only made in black and white. Um, now I did read a little bit. He was born in 1937 and, uh, uh, just recently actually, like I said, passed away this morning. One of the things that I came across when I was reading about him and what I was trying to do is saying that, uh, uh, what year I'm trying to find what year, um, immigrated to America as a teenager in 1950s. Uh, the gentleman um, was obviously rather short. He uh, was, stood tall at 311 and mm -hmm. then got the part as it, cousin it, on the Adams family. But touched my heart as well because I was reading through the article. He also played uh, Tweaky, which was the robot running around on Buck Rogers. So that's my, my first. Uh, uh, thing that I recognize. Obviously, I think I watched a little bit of the Adams Family growing up, but somebody else, uh, like you said, you know, who spent uh, and dedicated his entire life to acting and entertaining, and uh, uh, you know, shared a lot with uh, with the pop culture universe, if you will. You know, I, I did watch a lot of Adams Family as a kid. I I don't know that I always understood it, but I loved the aesthetic of a horror aspect done comedically and i really liked it and i love their twisted sense of humor i never read the, the the comics they're based on as a kid but i loved them but it, same as you when i heard about him <clears throat> passing i decided oh, i'm just kind of curious and i went through and he was in hr puffin stuff mary hartman mary hartman battlestar galactica and as you said when i scrolled to and saw buck rogers now he didn't do the voice that was mel uh Blanc, Blanc was that his name? Mel. Uh, sure. he, he did the Bugs Bunny thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mel, Mel. And the whole bitty bitty bitty. What's up, Buck? I, I will never bitty, bitty, bitty. That, Yep, yep. I mean, he's all over the place. But here's the, here's the the lovely thing. He he has a long life at eighty four, and does so much in film. Uh, I, I don't want to celebrate their lives in any different way, but it. it uh, if I have to choose, I'm going out at 84 over 52. There you go. There you go. And then uh, last but not least, and, you know, we're not we're not afraid to poke uh, a few holes in our own uh, pop culture-ness. DMX passed away uh, this past uh, April 9th. And Todd and I were talking in the pre-show, and I, I'm not very familiar with DMX. I know he was young. I think he, I think he was 50. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but... You know, still an icon. I, I think DM. I mean, at least I knew of him. Not familiar with all of his work or his music or anything. I'm sure if somebody played some, I'd I'd recognize some of it. But we're okay admitting that we don't know much. But uh, you know, obviously uh, somebody that dedicated his life to music and and uh, you know was uh, I'm sure was going to be missed. As you say that, I'm, I'm brought of mind of so many times when somebody will ask me, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, no, no, don't know anything about it. You don't know <laughs> something about this. But, you know, even pop culture sluts can't know everything. They can't. And I just I never had a chance to listen to DMX. So just like you, if somebody played it for me, did I choke you up? No, I took, you, co coffee went down the wrong pipe. I'm OK. Good. Uh, but if someone were to play some of his music for me i might know it but other than a name recognition it just doesn't even hit the radar right. at all <clears throat> all right well those uh, as i try and recover my voice um those are our lost listeners for this episode <clears throat> we're going to go into just a little bit of uh superhero news here real quick too uh read an article this morning that uh alfred uh molina is going to bring his role back as Dr. Octopus in the next Spider-Man flick. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, so you, you can have DC that can't figure out how to <laughs> uh, have a Batman and it recast and work. They can't, you know, they've got all this stuff, but Marvel can go, okay, we didn't even own spider-man at that time yeah um when he was playing with toby mcguire but now that we've got what's his name tom holland um we want to bring that guy back to to be the villain i i think i'm cool with it i love alfred molina he's fantastic yeah yeah i think it'll be great and uh 
I'm, I'm mentioning it mainly just because I saw a lot of response on Reddit, uh, people that are excited that he'll be back and doing that. And, and as we kind of kind of have this conversation, <clears throat> um, you and I kind of realized in, in the in the in the the pre podcast portion that I I know I am personally I don't want to speak for you I'm in superhero overload I know WandaVision came out to rave reviews and it seems like I can't read any newswire that I subscribe to without them talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier of which I have zero interest in um so I think I'm just suffering from a little bit of super superhero overload or you know excuse me maybe it's just I don't know, DC overload, but I guess Marvel's in there too. So maybe I just need to put it all in one package. I, I went through some of that too, Jeff. It was probably about maybe about two years ago. Um, and I really went up against it with the other podcast I do, Men of the Apes, where one of my co-hosts owns a comic book store and my other co-host is a comic book uber nerd. And they were talking about some movies and I was just like, I just don't give a crap. I, I just, right. okay. So it's going to be another hero journey. It's this, 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 this. Now the Avengers films did a little bit to help that because they were so smartly told and, and telling such a massive story. I'll tell you that my fatigue for that has waned yeah. and I will in a very short summation, say WandaVision uh, it's about two episodes too long. And that's really in the middle. I think they could have tightened it and made all that happen. You still could have done all you did, but maybe have it happen within one episode instead of two. It is one of the most original takes on superhero stuff that I've seen in a while to the point that it really gets into the pathos of the character. And I mean that it is truly something she's experienced and that's what happens. Uh, then when I went to watch Winter and Falcon Soldier, and I'm, I'm Falcon Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, start <laughs> that reversing. Um, you ever say something and you sound you th- think you're so educated, and then you're like, I just really botched that up. Yeah, like when I said the Oscars were last weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that that's right. <laughs> so I started watching that because my my daughter Abby has an immense crush on uh, Sebastian Stan, who plays the Winter Soldier. Oh, and he's a good actor. You might have seen him in Itania, where he played Jeff Galuli. He's very good. Oh he's, yeah. I mean, yeah, the same guy that's playing Bucky in Marvel did that. And in fact, it's weird. Abby just had me watch part of. Uh, I Tanya again last night and I was like, he's really good. And there's a, he's, he's in a lot of talk because if you ever see the Photoshop stuff of him, he looks a lot like Mark Hamill mm. and people are like, you should recast Luke Skywalker and give it to him. And he and Mark Hamill tweet back and forth, father and son all the time jokes, but nice. I digress. And I'll say that Falcon and the Winter Soldier gave me tired head immediately because it's just a retread of here comes another superhero thing. However, the episode that just came out and I, if, if you've not watched it, I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say this. It is one of the more brave episodes of Marvel that I've seen because the, it, it follows uh, Sam, the African-American guy who Captain America gave the shield to at the end of it. He decides that he's not worthy of it and never gives a voice to it until this episode when he says... America does not want a black man to be their hero. And I was like, whoa, yeah. you know, we, we tackled some of that in the black Panther, but for them to verbally state it and to talk about it again and again, as well as that Bucky is, you know, with all the tragedy he went through as the winter soldier, he's dealing with grief and Sam used to work with soldiers and he talks to him about, you have to do things. You can't just find relief you have to make it active and i thought holy crap we've talked about racial issues and Mm -hmm. we've also talked about psychological pathways for people to explore things so it's doing good things it i i was really impressed with that episode if you've got tired head i get it stay away for a while when you come to those two shows they're pretty good and i think you just gave me the the exact prescribed the right solution to my problem and maybe I just need to wait a while, and then when I get ready, at least the seasons will be done, and it won't be week to week, and I can go in and right. binge it and go from there. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, there seems to be no shortage of Star Wars and superhero uh, stuff now, which is kind of interesting, especially the demographic that uh, we belong to, also right. being fans of that stuff. Um, all right, so that's uh, kind of superhero talk. We're going to move down to center stage now and talk about a movie. and. 
Uh, Todd and I have talked since seeing it, but not one word about what we thought. Um, I know my father was really excited about this movie. I did listen to uh, Conan, the podcast Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, in which the star of this movie was a guest and really enjoyed it. Uh, you've enjoyed his work uh, in Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Um, he's, a, he's an actor that definitely has <clears throat> a wide spectrum when it comes to his body of work, uh, especially what he's uh, given us comedically. And this is a little turn for him, and I think a successful one. Of course, we're talking about its main star, Bob Odenkirk, and the film is called Nobody with the Tale of the Tape. Here's Todd. Very simply said, according to IMDb, a bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men becomes the target of a vengeful drug lord. Uh, that may be the most pinpointed, let me find one element of a story description uh let me put it this way if you've seen john wick add john wick into that because there is an element of family and the need to protect something from the past um this is directed by and i'm going to mispronounce his name because it is different Ilya Naishula. I'm not sure how to say that Uh, a young man that according to IMD began I I thought this is very interesting and may I say the title of this or do you need to get ready with a beep no 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 go right ahead so he directed a first person POV music video called biting elbows bad motherfucker from 2013 (laughs) attracted 33 million views on YouTube and another 21 million on uh, Venmo uh, Vimeo god almighty (laughs) Uh, the reactions were enthusiastic, including coming from directors Darren Aronofsky, who wrote a tweet calling it some well done. Samuel Jackson wrote, that is some wild, buck wild shit. <laughs> and then other people went on. So that basically opened his filmmaking career. He doesn't have a long history of films, but I, I, let's start right away with him. He has a very nice visual style. What's shot is shot well. Uh, the editing is smart, and those aren't just edits where the editor put it together. It was constructed in a manner where it had to be put together in a certain way. It's one of my favorite things when a film has a hook, and that hook doesn't take too long. Uh, this film is fairly short. It's only 96 minutes long, uh, or 92 minutes long. Um, and from the beginning, you're told a story, and, and I know kind listeners are going to just be shaking their head, but yes... I love a story, and I think it's set up well. You're immediately brought in, and you immediately, uh, at least I I did, empathize with the main character who seems to be this run-of-the-mill, you know, average American dad dealing with getting the trash out and washing dishes and getting the kids off to school, um, which I think is a great setup for, you know, what happens later in the film. Uh, I'm glad that, that this relatively i don't want to say unknown because i'm sure if you're a fan of his work it's very well known but somebody that was was new to me i think um the style that this director brings to the opening frames and everything for me was very well done and, and something that i could relate to and immediately get pulled into so that's great i guess what i'm trying to say is i can't think of anybody that i would have rather had do this his style reminds me a bit of Edgar Wright, who did Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, where you know it's a very smart camera placement, well framed, uh, interesting visual representations of things without without the confidence that Edgar Wright has, you know, in having a much longer filmography. Um, the thing that hit me right away, and uh, I've already alluded to it, was the obvious sameness to James, uh, John Wick. And at that point, when you go and you look up who wrote this, Derek Kolstad, it's the same guy that wrote all the John Wick films. Oh, nice. Okay. So, I mean, if you watch John Wick, I'm, I don't want to, I will not tell you what the similarities are, but it's even to the point that where John Wick has a dog, this guy has a kitty cat. That's all <laughs> I'll say. Right. Um, and what it has the feeling to me, and, and I could be very wrong is you'll see often when a when a writer or director has something that becomes big that the studios will then turn and go have you got anything just like that right 
and he may go, you know what? I wrote this version of kind of the same story. Here you go. And I, that's what it felt like to me. Now, if you can extract John Wick from your brain, this is a pretty fresh, interesting story. And personally, because I love Bob Odenkirk and I love the, the a method that maybe a Hitchcock would have gone to where it's an every man instead of a perfect man. Right. I kind of like Bob Odenkirk's presentation of what he's doing a little better than I like. And I like Keanu Reeves and John right. Wick, but I dig this a little bit more because he, like you said, he looks more like a dad. We don't think anything of it, but he has a story. And the best thing about this is, is it is brief. It and is. 96 minutes are very hard to find holes in it. Right. And, and you know, that's okay. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, uh, you you're teaching me and I'm learning that, you know, there are, there is a certain structure to script writing and a film as far as so many moments before you have something happen. Um, while this probably fits very well into that frame one, it didn't feel like it didn't feel forced. It wasn't felt like they got to one point and had to cram some stuff in just to get to where they needed to be. And to kind of go to the, go to the box office route, you know, it's a $16 million film. Now, Again, I'm still learning, so I don't know if that's relatively small in today's movie. That's small for a for an action film. <clears throat> but the, the the one thing I did recognize, and I was giggling to myself because I pretend I know things now that I talked to you for five minutes about them, is cumulatively worldwide, it's made 29, and it just was released yesterday uh, for rent. You know, for watching at home. So I think they're going to be happy with the return on this one. I think they're going to be ecstatic It's 16 million. And what you look at how you get away with that, because it does have a lot of practical effects of machine guns going off and squibs blowing up and blood and whatnot. But let's think about it. How many locations do they have? Yeah. Uh, there's the outside of the house. There's a bus stop where he constantly is, you know, doing the, the, at the very first yep. and the quick bits. Um, I'm not going to say it so people can watch it. Um, there's a car, there's a nightclub, there's his home, and there's the business. And I can, that's it. So there's seven locations. Yeah. And of those, three, the, the home, the nightclub, and the business are the main locations. And I guarantee you those are all sets. Mm. The reason I bring that up is that's how you get away with being cheap. Right. You know, you because that house, you may it may look like a real house, but it has what are called wild walls where they pull it away and they can bring a camera in and they can put lights and then they shove the wall back and they can go the other angle. And it, here's the great thing. When you blow it up with a squib, you probably have one to put in and fix it, you know, to right. replace it if the shot wasn't good. So everything about this is smart and economical. This director is going to do fantastic things for himself with that very thing that he got out for under 16 million. Yeah. What you already said. So if it's already made, how much? 21? Uh, uh, yeah. Cumulative worldwide gross as of yesterday. I checked it before it was released or, or I guess yesterday was the release, but I don't think this pulls that in. 29, basically 30 million, 29.9. So $30 million. So they're right now they're already looking at two, two to one return. And this film has not had a huge advertising budget either. It's mostly word of mouth. So I would imagine that they are already in the uh, is it that in the red why can't i think of that um they're already pulling in positive dollars and right. the fact that the more people talk about this it's a fun film that's what people want to see right now people want to see somebody taking charge of their lives that's what this is right this will probably i'd be shocked if this doesn't end up making shy of 100 million bucks i think it was filmed in canada i think in toronto is where they where they shot it um, just a couple things that I noticed about the cast. And I think we're doing a great job of dancing around uh, and keeping the, the, the movie safe for um, the kind listener. First of all, this is not a this is not a I see dead people kind of movie. There is there is no huge plot twist. It is, you know, nonstop martial arts and cars and and good lines. Um, so we, we won't ruin any of that for you. Um, but. Uh, a couple of people that I noticed that were in it. First of all, um, I think it's Connie Nielsen is the way you pronounce her name. Huh? Uh, she was in Gladiator. She was also in One Hour Photo, uh, Wonder Woman, and She's Wonder Woman's mommy. Yeah, Wonder Woman's mom. Then, if you really want to go back, she was in Devil's Advocate. Um, very, uh, you know, very credited, a lot of film, a lot of experience actor. 
So I think that's great too, because while her character isn't full, you know, force in this movie, uh, I think it takes somebody with that amount of experience to be able to come in and have this role and not try to um, overexpose themselves. So she was a nice surprise. Uh, obviously, Christopher Lloyd's in it, and so happy to see him. I did look, uh, Pop let me know that there was an AMA on Reddit last night with Bob Odenkirk and the director. And one of the questions was, what what was it like working with Christopher Lloyd? And, and Bob Odenkirk was uh, very gracious, said he was a great person to be around and had a lot of great stories. But probably the one that got me the most, that I was my aha moment, was a gentleman by the name of Michael Ironside. And he plays the dad, no, the brother. Is he one of the brothers of the business? But... For those of those kind listeners that know who Michael Ironside is, you've seen him. He has been in everything. Um, and I'm looking through um, his his list right now. I mean, he was in, um, what was the one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger where they go to Mars? Oh, Total Recall. Total Recall. Um, let's see. I'm trying to get back into like the 90s here. Uh, if there's anything you want to fill in while I'm doing this is I'm so well prepared. Well, and, and let's add in one more set. There's the nursing home where Christopher Lloyd gets in, but while you look that up, one thing that strikes me as you say that I, th I think about the e economical nature of this story too, because they bring in actors like Christopher Lloyd, who is somebody we recognize obviously from taxi and from back to the future, but not somebody we go, wow, you know, we see him all the time, but a great actor. And I guarantee you that he was brought in for three days to shoot his scenes. They're, they're, they're small, mm -hmm. maybe a week total. So, I mean, that's, again, that's how this film is so smart in the way it's handled is that you bring in these quality people who probably deliver very quality and efficient performances, get them in and out. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about Bob Odenkirk in, in the lead of this because it is not just Saul Goodman from better call Saul and breaking bad it is a man that, that has, an anger that he's holding within. I'll just yeah. put it that way. And, and he's, he's balancing everything in the world kind of goes, no, right. it's it, it, smart for what it is. So, uh, getting back real quick to Michael Ironside, my buddy. All right. So we're going to go back to 1983. He's on the A team. 1983 is in an episode of Hill street blues. He also was in that sci-fi, uh, short series that I'm, I'm sure it's taught a scene is called V. He was in that. He was in Falcon and the Snowman, which we were mentioning really? earlier in the pre-show because we couldn't remember Falcon and the Snow Warring Shield dude. Um, <laughs> he was in Top Gun. He played Jester. Um, but still, I, I'm you know Total Recall. I'm just looking at it from like this 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 amount of work that this this actor has done and just in countless things, and so. Yes, he's a little older, but it was just nice to see his voice. Here to see his voice. See, I'm, I'm catching myself up to see his face, but hear his voice. And that's where I'm best at. If I can hear somebody's voice, it generally clues me in. So the, the point of all that kind listener is um, that's part of the joy of watching this film is there are great faces like Christopher Lloyd and Connie Nielsen and Michael Ironside uh, who, you know, add some substance and and provide a balanced um, experience when it comes to watching this film. I know RZA's in it. Once again, I'm going to I'm going to play the old man card. I don't know who RZA is. Um, I think his parts well done uh, in it as well. But um, just again, uh, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. I think I'm getting it that that you enjoyed enjoyed the film for what it, for what it was. I did. Uh uh, by the way, Michael Ironside, 272 credits. Yeah. I, good Lord. Um, I, I, I did. I, I, I immediately got a little bit tired head when I went, okay, is this just a beat for beat John Wick thing? And, mm -hmm. and then, I, then I almost got some enjoyment out of the fact that, okay, I know what happened here and it, it's a good fun film. I was not mad. I watched it. I'm glad it was 96 minutes. <coughs> yeah. But, um, Here's what I, another thing with Michael Ironside, that dude had what two scenes? Yeah, maybe three. 
Yeah, you, you literally had him come in for a day, two days, and you popped him in. He's a familiar face. And what that does, too, is it allows us to feel we trust this movie. We, right. we develop a bit of a connecting trust because we're like, okay, I know that guy and I can believe him here. Right. So I do have a fun fact that I found out through the AMA, and it should not ruin any of the uh, the story. But there is a scene in the movie in which you notice that Bob Odenkirk has a tattoo on his wrist of a two and a seven. And that sends a clear signal to uh, some people that are in the scene. So I found out why that means what it means. Do you know what the two and the seven represent? I do not. Two and a seven is the absolute worst hand you can get in poker. Oh. Or, or, or uh, opening, I guess it would be Texas Hold'em. Uh, that you can get your first two cards because they're just horrible. They're, they're very rarely a winning hand. Therefore, it fits to Odenkirk's character who he's the guy you send in when mm-hmm. you're not going to get a, you know, you've got a horrible hand and, and you know, you need somebody that uh, th- that can manage that. So I thought that was kind of a neat, um, I thought it was a neat shot and I do respect the fact that they didn't tell us what it meant in the film, that that was something that you kind of went and had to look at. I, I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I like it that he has something that means something. Yeah. Here's why I have mixed feelings about it. I'll be damned if they come out with not nobody kind of somebody you know part two mm-hmm. and then we have to almost like john wick where we've learned about the secret society of assassins if we get into that i'm going to be like okay stop okay um now my fun little fact is that when he goes to lay on the couch at the first of the film because he feels disconnected from his wife did you notice what movie poster was on the wall behind him oh i think i may have but i've forgotten no what was it well's touch of evil oh was it yeah, and it's that's considered to be one of uh, Wells's lost but reclaimed masterpieces of crime. And I thought, okay, this is a director who's trying to say, hey, I have reverence for these great films too. And you know, it's not that same kind of film, but I thought it was at least a fun thing that he put that in the background. That is a that is a nice touch. I like that. Uh, I'm going to agree with you overall. I think this is a great film. I think it is. If you go in looking exactly what it is, action. Uh, film and it's short and I think it's just enough because now that the comparison with John Wick has been made which I was unaware of um, you know John the John Wicks you know and again I I understand what you mean where if they start coming out with nobody too and all of that I mean those those movies have a lot of similarities there's not a whole lot that changes and to me, they get a little long with all the long, drawn-out fights and everything else. So I know that sounds like old man Jeff, but I think this was the the perfect mix of I was liking it to a Happy Meal or you know a pepperoni pizza or something like that, where you just you know it's not going to really benefit you in any particular way, <laughs> other than knowing what the two and the seven is. But you're going to enjoy it, and then you're going to be able to get on with your day, and it isn't going to be um, Superman and Batman running around for four hours and doing that. If I can throw something into that with the John Wick thing, I I really, when John Wick, the original John Wick came out, I really liked that movie. I went around telling everybody I was shocked by it. I don't dislike Keanu Reeves. And, you know, if you ever hear the thing about how he takes part of his salary every time and donates it somewhere, he's a good person. Um, The first one had that almost 1970s ethic about it where it was a broken person finding truth just simply by the dog and how, you know, losing yeah. the dog, then getting another. And, and I, personally, I would have loved it if they never made another one right? because it almost becomes a superhero film Yeah, in that the violence is so choreographed where it's almost like a ballet jumping over each other and silliness with bullets. And I, I, I can, I didn't see the last one. I, I looked at it when I saw him on a horse, I was like, Nope, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Right. And, you know, it to me, that's taking it too far. Um, again, what I like about this is I like Bob Odenkirk being a bit more of just an everyman. Yeah. They could very easily, easily take it too far for me. The film is Nobody. 
uh, just released showing uh, or starring Bob Odenkirk and a number of other well-known actors. I think it w- we'd be remiss if we uh, don't mention the fact that this film actually was r- released first in, in theaters, so one of the first ever uh, during the... Pi- that's not the right sentence. One of the first movies to be released in theaters since the pandemic. Thank you, Jeff. Um, and then, of course, now is available through m- most of your digital media outlets, Xbox, Apple TV, so you know you can rent it and stay at, stay at home if that's what you want to do. Uh, so for those... And, I, and this would have been a great movie to see on the big screen. This This movie was a movie that while I was watching it, I was thinking this would have been really good to see in a theater. And it made me miss that aspect of it. I, <laughs> I'm not I, pushing you to say that because I'm almost going to say, I think it's the perfect movie to watch at home. Oh, well, there you go. That's what you get here at the other kind radio is just clear, concise. No, I, I see what you're saying <laughs> for, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, um, we're under time. Good Lord. This is good. How efficient, how trim. Maybe it's because it didn't take five minutes for me to get through the opening. So, uh, for final thoughts, uh, we'll throw it over to Todd. Uh, you know, I, I'm excited because we are starting to see new films coming out. Uh, it was no matter how tired heads you might get about things like Falcon, the winter soldier or John wick. This is still a good fun film. There are good things out there with the Academy awards are coming. So make sure you go see those. I will tell you that promising young woman is a fantastic film. You need to go watch it. Uh, there are a lot of good things. I still have to watch Minari. I want to see that badly, but come back and we'll talk about those. I I would imagine we're going to try and talk about that before the Academy Awards, but there's a lot of good stuff. There are good things on the horizon. And I will say this one thing. It's not, it comes out in June. Lin-Manuel Miranda, creator of Hamilton, his, uh, the new movie adaptation of his Tony award winning play in the Heights is coming in June. Mm. So we've got a lot of things I can't wait for. Things are the, 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 the cogs are starting to turn. Mm-hmm. And stuff is starting to get rolling out, which is great. Uh, I echo a lot of what you said. Um, I, I was nice to kind of just see a movie and, and kind of be taken out of, of what's going on right now. Uh, and I'm excited about what's coming up. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk offline and, and figure out what we're going to do for the Oscars. I know you're not a big fan of them, uh, but I figure we could talk through a few of them or do something like that. We do a bonus episode. Unless they change the date of the Oscars again like they did on us last time, right? No. Uh, <laughs> all right then folks that's gonna do it for this 105th episode of the other kind radio i'm jeff that was todd we're so glad you're here i'm gonna invite you to uh i'm trying to read my notes here see i'm gonna screw up the end so we want to encourage all of our first-time listeners uh and thank you for finding us among the plethora of podcasts that are out there feel free to email us our email address is info at the other kind radio.com info at the other kind radio.com and remember we got the other the kind of radio hotline you can call 214-843-1149 214-843-1149 Have a great week. Stay safe. And just remember, we are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio.